All right. And we're live. Woo! Welcome back to the best podcast in the world. Oh, yeah. According to our mothers. And our 50-odd viewers every yep. week. <laughs> Doing pretty good? Yeah, we are. Uh, all right. So, Kyle, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the epic historical movie, Troy. Troy? Bum, bum, bum. Hector! Hector! Uh... And that is why no one will remember your name. (laughs) Uh, That is why no one will remember your podcast. Okay. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Moving on. So, yeah, based on the Homer epic about the Trojan War. It's called the Iliad, for those of you not in the know. The Iliad. The Iliad. I was not in the know. It's pretty sick. I asked Kyle if the same guy wrote this that wrote Braveheart. Bro, that made me cry. And you were like, about 2,000 years off. You took five years (laughs) off my life that day. It was all I could do. I'm not a big. I'm I'm a weird guy. I use Snapchat for like texting people because I'm <laughs> an old man, um, and I almost actually sent a physical picture of my disappointed face. <laughs> well, we learned. That's what. The, that's why we're here. Yeah, we're here we're, to learn. I'm really teaching Dustin history. What he doesn't know is that all of you know this, and it's just <laughs> it's him. just him. it's just it's an intervention. It's just him. Just me. Okay, so this was released in 2004. Wow, um, it's weird that it's that old. All right. Uh, I remember it coming out. Yeah. Well, I remember like the the commercials for it yeah. and being six and being like, I'm not going to be able to watch that movie. That looks like an adult movie. <laughs> I watched it as, as a kid, not when it first came out, but then again, maybe it was close to that time. But I, yeah, I watched it sometime in the 2000s. Yeah. I think I, I probably watched it first when I was there. My dad, God rest his soul, was really big on like, once we were old enough to process the concepts, he yeah. let us watch a movie as long as he could watch it with us. Yeah. And so I think I watched Troy for the first time, probably when I was like 12. Yeah. Like old enough to cope with like people dying, but not so yeah. old that I understood like the human element behind it. I was like, yeah. ooh, buff guys with spears, sign me up. We got, we have the internet now. Everybody's traumatized. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I get traumatized just logging into Facebook. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. So let's, you know, something I, I've, I've kind of wanted to touch on, but we haven't really done in other podcasts. I want to kind of bring into the fold is how did this movie do? How was it received by critics? Man, so, it's almost like our movie guy should have thought of that. Yeah, movie guy. It only took me five ep- six episodes to get this far. <laughs> okay, so uh, when it was released, it was actually considered a flop, um, but it did gross almost $500 million worldwide. Okay. Why it was considered a flop was because the total production cost was 185 million. In 2004, this is one of the most expensive movies ever made. But you just said it grossed 500. It grossed 500 million. So whenever typically you'll have to think like whatever the production cost is, you double it. Sure. Once you consider like advertisement and everything like that. Okay. And it wasn't it didn't lose money. Okay. But it didn't make nearly as much money as they thought. It's also fairly star-studded, so I'm sure mm-hmm. that that gives... Because you have to pay those actors so much mm-hmm. that your definition of flop would be different than like an independent movie's right. definition of flop. Um, I, I, now, I believe most... Not most. I shouldn't say most. A lot of the budget went into making the set. I believe that. Um, the set's pretty... Uh, a lot of it is legitimate. There's very, there's not very little CGI, but there's there's not a lot of CGI in this. No, not much. Um, it even looks that way. Like when you right. watch it, you're like, wow, there's no, it's all practical effects. Like, right. Um, and also, fun fact: uh, outside the gates of Troy, um, that set was actually destroyed by a hurricane, and they had to rebuild it. Um, that would that would up your budget. Yeah. So they had <laughs> so they had to do it twice. Um, Oof. Anyways, and looking at the behind the scenes, man, I really. I really wish sometimes they would keep these sets just like to where someone you can go visit, like just leave them. That'd be so cool. I know it'd be I'd, so I'd awesome. I'd be so down for that. I know. I would love to take a trip or across the world and I would just love go to visit stand outside the gates of Troy. And be like Dustin, <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> fight with like rubber swords. Yeah, except we're both wheezing after about four swings. <laughs> but I got sand in my it's slipper. It's a little dry. Could I get some saline? <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so for comparison, our first episode, Gladiator was produced for 103 million okay and made 503 million okay um so it's also that extra, like 80 or so that's really killing it yeah nah, yeah and made slightly less than yeah than it did. yeah uh also this was up against some tough competition you know what else released the same month in 2004 oh tell me shrek 2 oh bro yeah bro that's, obviously those are the same demographic of people yeah yeah yes yeah. double feature troy shrek 2 oh yeah what a time to be alive. Fun fact, I think, uh, speaking of like competing movies, I think Wyatt Earp and Tombstone, which we will discuss later in our mm-hmm. season, 
um, were released within like three months of each other, and they're both movies about Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. Like curb stomped the movie. Oh, Wyatt I, Earp, I'm not, not surprised. Which at having all. watched both of them, I'm not shocked by Mm-mm. that. But no, that's happened a couple times. That'd be an interesting thing to talk about yeah. in a future episode. Um, this was Troy was directed by Wolfgang Peterson, mm. a German-born director. He's most famous for directing Das Boot. Um, but he also he did like he did German films, but he also came to America and did Hollywood films. He directed The Perfect Storm and Air Force One. Oh wow! Um, so Those this was both pretty pretty good, pretty like, big yeah, movies. Like yeah, big budget, large movies. He, he has um, a he has a taste for like drama. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that you have your opinions about the clunkiness mm-hmm. of this movie and they're valid, but he does like credit where credit is due. This director seems to have like the knack for like, this is how mm-hmm. I like draw every drip of dramatic tension out of this movie. Um, so when he, when this was made, he was kind of at the tail end of his career. Um, he had released multiple box office and critical flops in a row. Um, and shortly after this, he actually retired for a decade in 2006. So he didn't direct anything from 2006 until 2016. He came back and he directed, I think, like one more ger- more German. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was a German film or if it was just more uh, independent yeah. film. Um, and then he passed away shortly afterwards. Wow, that's fascinating. So this is towards the end of his career and is definitely like the biggest budget. I think his, I think the one that he did in 2006 was uh, the, the remake of the movie Poseidon. Oh, okay. About the cruise ship yeah, that capsizes. That over. Yeah, that um, so, I mean, he was definitely, he was a big director at the time. Um, but yeah, this is towards the end of what he I was doing. So these massive sets were built in Malta, purposefully oversized and more elegant than the remains of Troy that have been found. Um, which I think is fascinating because, um, like you said, you were not aware that this movie wasn't actually based on anything concrete mm-hmm. that had happened. And it does come across because they've eliminated a lot of the more mythical elements of the mm-hmm. Iliad, which I'll talk about later. Um, it does come across as like a gladiator or a braveheart, like a fantasized version of something that could have possibly happened. Yeah. Um, so this is the second in our Brad Pitt double feature. Yep. Uh, so obviously Brad Pitt's a bit of star here. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I- Eric Bana was pretty hot. Eric so, Bana um, was also pretty. He's he a pretty big name. Yeah, he's the guy who plays Hulk. Yep. In which Hulk movie? The bad one. The worst. That's one. one. He's That's fine in it, but the movie's bad. The movie's horrible. He's great as Hector, though. Uh, um, he does. He does pretty well. Okay, so I have a hard time. I couldn't. I I'd watch a scene and I'd be like, yeah, I like him as Hector, and I watch yeah. another scene, I'd be like, he just kind of looks confused. You know, we discussed the fact that this movie has a director's cut that's mm-hmm. been much more well received without having watched it. I've, I've watched it once, but I didn't pay attention to the cuts. I feel right. like he's a character that probably got a little shorted by the director's uh, cut. Cause he feels yeah. just a little disjointed, you know, like sometimes like if, it feels like he's had like a mental connection that isn't there mm-hmm. or he's had an emotional journey that isn't there. And I have a mm-hmm. sneaking suspicion that it was probably supposed to be Hector versus Achilles and mm-hmm. Brad Pitt was a bigger star, and Achilles is a bigger hero than mm-hmm. Hector or Eric Bana. And when they made the cutting floor decisions, they were like, we need more Brad Pitt and less Eric. And that I'm guessing that's kind of what happened, because it does feel like you're like, I feel like there was supposed to be a scene there that wasn't there. Yeah, his character kind of seemed to be lacking a little bit. Um, I did like him. He seemed to be the only one in the movie that I was like, you are the good guy. You didn't yeah. do anything wrong here. Everyone else can at least... And I like that. I, I said yeah. that was my biggest complaint about gladiators, how like holier than thou mm-hmm. uh, Russell Crowe's character is. And I, I love how in this one, there's depth to each of the characters. And we'll get into that kind of who's good, who's bad. And the fact that the guy who's looking at it from as objective and rational of a position as a person can mm-hmm. is constantly being dismissed by the people mm-hmm. around him. Like that rings very true in yeah. crises. Like, um, So we have a couple different, a uh, couple other noticeable names we'll get to real quick to round out our cast. Interesting enough, Brian Cox plays Agamemnon. 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 Yeah, I'm just gonna let you say the names. Okay. All right. Uh, also played Argyle Wallace and Braveheart. Oh, okay. yeah, he does. Yeah. And then Brendan Gleeson, uh, who plays his brother Menelaus. Uh, Menelaus also played Hamish in Braveheart. Yeah. So we have two returning <laughs> actors from yeah. Braveheart here. Um, <laughs> I wrote in here. Uh. I do have some problems with this movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I wrote in here Rose uh, Byrne. I don't know how you say her name. Rose she- Byrne, maybe? Byrne. Is it B Y R N E? Yep. Yeah, Byrne. Byrne. Okay. Rose Byrne. 
plays uh Briseis. Uh, Briseis. Briseis. The okay. the temple of acolyte. Right? Yeah, thank God you can say these names, dude. I'm a historian. It's my job. <laughs> it's Menelaus, right. by the way, to establish my credibility. I said it correctly. Menelaus. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I already forgot you tried to say it again. Briseis. <laughs> Briseis. Brad Pitt's quasi love. Okay, interest. this is what I said. A very forced love interest that conveniently arrives and leaves as she's needed. Correct. And the sad part is she does a really good job. She does great, and she's a great actor uh, actress. So she's been in um uh. And uh, I think she's in Insidious, and then she's in the Neighbors movie with oh, yeah. Seth Rogen and Zac Efron. To preface this, uh, to preface Dustin's criticisms that I've already heard a little bit, um, we're not criticizing any of the acting performances in this movie. They all brought the heat. It's director decisions mm-hmm. and script writing. It's yeah. kind of like Star Wars. We're like, <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> it's good, but it could have been really good. And it wasn't. <laughs> yep. So, um, so I send Kyle questions for him yes. to so like, so we kind of know what we're going to talk about in the movie. And I started writing these out like, okay, did this really happen? Did this really happen? And then I looked up, I don't remember what I looked up and it's like based on the epic and none of it's true. And I was like, God dang it. I get a, I get an all caps question of, is this movie fake? <laughs> what are you going to talk about? And I was like, my brother in Christ mythology is a part of human history. And he goes, Oh, cool. Okay. 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 All right. I just made sure. Cause I, I thought, I thought this was like based on you know semi based on true events and then and then it's like mm, yeah dude, none of this e- has been confirmed even, not even a little bit <laughs> so okay so anyways in the story we are 3200 years ago yes which if someone watches this in 2104 it'd be 3300 years ago hey crazy we gotta put this in a time capsule anyways um yes <laughs> So we start off loading. We start off meeting Achilles. Oh yeah, and he is who he is through like eighty percent of this movie. He's just an irreverent ass, but he's so good at killing people, dude. He is the greatest soldier who ever lived, and he's like irritatingly practical. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, you want to you want to agree with him because he's right, but you're like, you know what? Yeah, you're kind of a jerk, dude. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So he's he's very you you realize early on that he is chasing an idea. Um, he asked, will our actions echo across the centuries? Um, there are, there's two armies. There's mm-hmm. the, should I just say the Greek army? Is that proper? It's, so the beginning of the movie is a little confusing. Um, Agamemnon is pursuing a, you can't call it a civil war, a war of unification among city states of the Mycenae Greeks, which are like the first rendition of Greek civilization. And that is a historical thing that happened. Um, not Agamemnon, but there was a Mycenae, Greece, that mm. was formed of independent like city-states of Greek culture. He is uniting the peninsula, and this is the last army he has to fight to do so. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so so it essentially, is that, it's not like a civil war, really? No, it, it would be like um, when Texas was briefly an independent country, if like we invaded Texas to make them part of the United States. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so unification of yeah, it's okay, a, it's territories. A, it's, a, it's a unification against their will. Sort gotcha. Yeah. You unite. No, 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 no. You don't get to say no. Conquer, unite. <laughs> like, okay. all one word. So essentially, you have these two armies lined up, and they say, we can share, we can, we, or sorry, we can save some bloodshed. Mm-hmm. You bring your best soldier, I'll bring my best soldier. They bring out Boadrius. Who's just this hulk of a dude. Who is a... The actor who plays him is a guy named Nathan Jones. He's a former wrestler. Yeah. He's like seven feet, 300 and some pounds. <sighs> Big he's, dude. He's a monster. He looks like a mauler. And then he goes, Achilles. And nobody shows. And Achilles is asleep in a tent with, <laughs> is there two women? In oh, there? yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, dang it. To be Brad Pitt. I know. Anyways. <laughs> and so this kid so, goes, this, this, this messenger kid goes and gets him. And yeah. he's like, Achilles. King, Ag- the men need you. Agamemnon needs you to fight the biggest man I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, he gets up and he's like, I wouldn't want to fight him. And Achilles looks at this poor, like, 12 year old messenger and he goes, well, That's why no one will remember just your name. Roast the kid. Just That's why no one will remember your name. Out of this kid. He just rode probably like three miles on a horse to get this guy. He gets roasted. He doesn't yeah. know what to do. He has no idea. He's Achilles, just a kid. <laughs> Achilles throws his armor on, grudgingly, like, rides out to the, <laughs> the army. And there's a single line that really sets up the relationship between him and Agamemnon so well. He says, imagine a king who fights his own battles. Wouldn't that be a sight? Oh, yeah. And goes out there, one spear, takes out the, takes out the uh, shield. He throws it to the ground. The other spear, he kind of ducks. He does this move. Now, I, I saw in the, in the behind the scenes, the way that Brad Pitt fights in this movie, he's supposed to be a god among men. Yeah. 
So he fights different from other soldiers. He fights impractically, but because he's so fast and so strong, mm-hmm. it's flawless. It's yep. like watching Captain America fight in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Like no normal human could fight that way. Oh, that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, he, like they, no the nobody nobody yeah. should ever like in in like Marvel, nobody should ever block an axe kick with one arm because you're mm-hmm. just gonna get your femur broken. But mm-hmm. since he's better than others, he can do that. Achilles is the same way. Nobody should ever try to block a spear thrown by a seven a seven foot man at 10 feet just straight on but yeah. since he's the strongest guy on the field he can do it no problem yeah so um anyways um he he wins the fight and with if you have one stroke if you haven't seen the scene just look it up just, on, just you, you don't it, need any context yeah. just watch him just achilles versus boagrius yeah what you need to watch. uh it's it's really it's really entertaining very good okay it, so it's also interesting before we move on i know we're trying to streamline these podcasts mm. a little bit for <laughs> your guys's convenience but uh in the agamemnon achilles dynamic Achilles' line is important, but what Agamemnon says before that oh, yeah, is, yeah. I should have you whipped for insubordination. And Achilles goes, well, then you fight him and starts to leave. <laughs> and then another king, talk, like a lesser king, talks Achilles into fighting. And yeah. that's when he says, imagine a king who fights his own battles. Yeah. What a sight that would be. So Agamemnon is stupidly antagonizing the whole reason that he's mm-hmm. winning these yeah. fights. And he says, uh, he says, of all the of all the great warriors loved by the gods, I hate I hate him the most. Yeah, I I love their. It's little... such a yeah. They have such a like a realistic relationship. Mm-hmm. Like a megalomaniac king would hate like an arrogant prick who has every right to be an arrogant mm-hmm. prick that he has to rely on. Yeah, I, I and this carries out throughout the rest of the movie, and it, it becomes it's it, you know there's multiple scenes that really. Uh, kind of the the background dynamic is their relationship yep so um so orlando bloom yep wants to be the orlando groom to uh, (laughs) to another king's wife (laughs) i thought of that while i was watching this and i was like i can't wait to drop that line on kyle dude (laughs) he's getting up and leaving kill me now please Um, yeah, we switched to Sparta, <laughs> where Agamemnon's brother Menelaus is king, and uh, Hector, so Eric Bana's character, mm-hmm. Hector and Paris, played by Orlando Bloom, are the emissaries from Troy, the princes of Troy, come to make an alliance with Sparta. Yeah, and... If you have another pun, I will come across this room. I don't, I don't but I, I will, wish I did. I will come across this room like Achilles. <laughs> I really want to call him Orlando Drew for the rest of the movie. We're not going to do We're going to call him Paris. So Paris has Paris. the hots for Diane Kruger's character, yes. Helen of Troy. Who's also in... Who right now is Helen of Sparta. <laughs> who's also in Inglorious Bastards, starring Brad Pitt. He's also in National Treasure, starring Nicholas Cage. I haven't seen that one. No, of course you haven't. No. But I have seen Inglorious Bastards. And uh, we could go into the diplomatics between Sparta and Troy. They're not super important. What is important is they're making peace, and Paris takes helen with him because they're having an affair behind yeah. menelaus's back and he yeah. loads her onto the ship in the dead of night and hector finds out and is pissed well, no no, no he doesn't find out paris comes up and he's like oh, i yeah. need to show you paris something reveals it <laughs> i need to show you something so brother. A, a common theme in troy is that paris is a well-intentioned naive idiot who is clearly idiot. the youngest sibling with the badass older brother and yes. he's not a bad dude like he's really not a bad guy uh, it, <laughs> he has very poor choices he makes he makes very very bad in the moment choices that he then has to be bailed out for he's that little brother that probably should have been smacked around a little more as yeah, a child but case in point he doesn't abduct helen helen goes no with him. no and he doesn't lie to hector he's like i put us in danger i need to show you that i made a bad decision in the moment and, and she doesn't show you. she doesn't like her husband no Menelaus is, is a jackass yeah. like nobody likes him yeah um and hector almost gives her back and then realizes that he can't, because if he does, he knows that Paris will be killed by Menelaus. And he starts to turn around for Sparta, rethinks, and sails straight to Troy. And is like, we're going to start a war. We better yeah, be in our own city. It doesn't matter, because he, he's like... Because uh, he knows that Menelaus is the brother of Agamemnon. And he's like, even if I can reason with Menelaus, mm-hmm. I can't reason with Agamemnon. Yeah, he knows we, that, There's a war coming. Like, he knows it's too late. There's no turning back at this point um okay so essentially that's exactly what happens yeah. is the two the two teens um unite they sail to troy yep. we have achilles who um talks to his goddess mother mother yeah okay is she supposed to have some sort of spiritual the movie makes it something? unclear it's implied in the movie that she's a goddess in the mythology mm-hmm. she is okay um and i think that's the one mystical element that the movie kind of decided to keep was like we're going to be very unclear she's a she's she's maybe like him maybe the implication in the movie 
is that they for whatever reason, it. these people are just yeah. special. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets convinced to go to the war by Odysseus, mm-hmm. um, Sean Bean's character, yeah. who's clever. Ned Stark. Yeah, Ned Stark. <laughs> Except winter's not coming because it's the Greek peninsula. Right, and it's very hot. <laughs> he's, training, he's training with his cousin Patroclus, who is important later in the movie. They're obviously mm-hmm. like brothers. They're very close. Mm-hmm. And Odysseus is like... Basically, if you don't go to this war, no one will remember your name. Like he kind of he doesn't say it in so many words, mm-hmm. but he he uses Achilles' logic against him, which is like you're all about glory and yep. being remembered, and this will be the biggest war that anybody's yep. ever seen. And when we when not if when we conquer Troy, he just manipulates him like in a in a good natured you know you want to come mm-hmm. sort of way. And we he's need a diplomat, you. yeah. But yeah. He, like we need you. Screw Agamemnon. This is about Achilles and Achilles. Mm-hmm always happy to stroke Achilles' own ego mm-hmm. is like, all right, whatever, I'll go. Yeah, and his mother, but his mother says You'll die. Your name will be remembered for centuries, mm-hmm. but you will won't return home. Yeah, his mother kind of gives him that that choice. Like you're at a crossroads. You either die basically you either don't come back and are remembered, mm-hmm. or you can stay in Greece and fade into obscurity. Which is important later on when he yep. makes a certain decision. Oh yeah. Okay. So so Achilles and his fifty men Row out, row everyone yeah, else. <laughs> well, I think we should we should specify. There's a small scene in Troy where they're getting ready. They know the Greeks are coming. King Priam, Hector's dad, is like a practical but slightly aloof and overconfident ruler. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy's this massive city, huge walls, well trained uh, army. They make a point that Hector's the best swordsman in the East. Like Hector, mm-hmm. though he does not share Achilles' ego, might share Achilles' skill. Like he is well known as a swordsman and as a military commander. So Agamemnon wisely gathers 50,000 men in a thousand ships to sail to Greece mm-hmm. or Troy to sail from Greece to Troy. Achilles decides to take the beach of Troy with his boat of 50. Men. Yep. Uh, yeah. So one, like I said, this about right around here is where I found out that Troy was not based on something. Cause I was like, did Achilles, that was one of the questions I wrote down. <laughs> did Achilles really take the beach with 50 men? If he'd have been real, he probably could have. Yeah. Um, they don't say it in the movie, but the Myrmidons. So his ma- Achilles is manner known as the Myrmidons. Mm-hmm. They are in Greek mythology, like the Navy seals, like they're super elite. Mm-hmm. Um, they have mythical origins themselves. They are, they're not quite Achilles, but it's like, the bat, the most badass guy you know, leading a regiment of fifty guys that he trained to be as badass as they possibly could. So if anybody's going to take the beach, it is going to be these guys, right? Um. Okay. So they do take the beach. They do successfully. They um, they use like a shield wall thing, and they just kind of yeah. barrel their way. And Achilles just battering rams, just, the, yeah. the Trojan men, and then they back. Uh, they back soldiers, and then also I guess priests. Yeah. Into the church, the Temple of Apollo. Temple of Apollo. Um, this it's, is where we find. It's important that to know that Troy and Greece share gods in mm-hmm. this movie. Apollo is important to the Greeks, and his men try to stop him. And after they've slaughtered everybody, and he's like, his his lieutenant is like, we shouldn't deface Apollo's temple. Don't we want the gods on our side? He sees mm-hmm. everything, and Achilles cuts the head off his statue, yeah. and then just is like, take it. It's yours. <laughs> it's like this is he's black and to to both the uh, Trojans and the Greeks. This oh, that's is like blasphemous. blasphemous. No, his men yeah. do not like that he did that. Like they're not thrilled. So this is where he finds um one more time Perseus. Perseus. Okay, this is where he finds Perseus. Well, somebody finds Perseus and, and he rescues her from like his own men. More yes. Or less. Uh, Hector uh comes in with his his personal guard. Yeah. So he's like, we've got you cornered. We can take you out. Uh, and it doesn't go very well. Well, you know, I mean, Achilles hits a guy with a spear like 150 feet away. Yeah. On a running horse. Yeah. And then slaughters half of Hector's men mm-hmm. with his own men in the temple and mm-hmm. lets Hector escape because he's like, again, I can't remember the exact dialogue, but the implication is when you and I finally fight, I want it to be. I want people a big to watch deal. it. I want more. I want more eyes. I want to meet you this. on an even field of combat. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to ambush you in a temple. Right. And I don't want anyone. I don't want to kill you when no one's watching because he's all about the glory of it. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, look upon my face, son of Troy, because the next time you see it, like, yeah. Uh, okay, so Achilles and Hector, this is when we kind of establish, they have opposite philosophies. Yes. Hector could care less about how he's remembered, uh, what his name means. He is all about the present. He says, yeah. basically, like, what's the point if we're in the ground? Yeah. And Achilles is the exact opposite. Well, Hector's mantra is even, um, you know, love your, <laughs> love your wife honor your father and praise the gods. Mm-hmm. So he's all about like good acts, good deeds, be mm-hmm. a good person. And that's all you need to do. So, um, the next day Achilles refuses to fight. 
Um, he's waiting for Agamemnon to beg him to join. Because Agamemnon tries to take Briseis away from right. him. Right, yes. Yes. I kind of skipped over that. No, yeah. I, it's just important. Well, he does. Him. He does yeah, take her. Agamemnon takes Briseis away from him um, because he's the king and he should just have he anything he wants. And Achilles almost slaughters everybody in Agamemnon's Achille- yeah. like, tent. <laughs> this is when we start to see, like, oh, is there, is there a little fling here? This woman you just met that you have no idea anything about? Odysseus kind of talks them both down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not yet. I, I don't remember. Anyway. I don't know. Anyways, point the being, The conflict is day. around Briseis. Ag- Agamemnon briefly takes Perseus yeah. away from Achilles and he's not having it so he refuses to fight he, so he refuses to fight the next day and you can't make him and because he'll just kill anybody you right. send after him the two men who really started this mm-hmm. Menelaus and Paris um, decide to settle this quote unquote like men yes and fight in front of the gates of Troy becomes quickly uh, apparent that Paris though willing is not a good swordsman Paris <laughs> he tries like to his credit he tries, but he's not Hector. That's very clear. Like. Yeah, and Menelaus <laughs> is legitimately just having fun with him. Yeah. Um. So Paris, Paris is. <laughs> uh, there's a point where Paris is just getting, oh, yeah. just getting wrecked, and Agamemnon <laughs> just just laughing yep. at his brother just beating this kid's butt. Uh, and then um, he crawls to Hector's feet. And this movie's all about fatal flaws and Paris's fatal flaws, impulsive decisions that he doesn't think out. Yeah. Hector's fatal, Achilles is his ego, Agamemnon's is his ego, yeah. oddly enough. Menelaus's is his anger. Hector's fatal flaw is he loves his brother more than he loves Troy. his city. Yeah. Even, despite what he says, he loves his brother too much mm-hmm. for his leadership role. Mm-hmm. Like a leader has to be aloof and he can't do it. He can't let his brother get slaughtered. Yeah in the field of battle so he kills Menelaus and betrays the rules of the duel mm-hmm. instead of letting it happen so Hector abandons his own morals to save his brother Wait, why did Paris run back for the sword oh it's the sword of Troy his, it's kind of a throwaway line but his father tells him as long as the sword is in Trojan hands our people have a future which is important Okay. King. Yeah, which is, he gives it to him right before the duel. And it's important because, I mean, you're in a war. You don't know that you're going to mm. win. So in Paris's mind, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, not only did I just abandon this duel, I have to go get our people's right. sword. And that's what I mean about, like, Paris is not a bad guy. No. He just is not Hector. Like, no. he's just the younger sibling who's yeah. less skilled and is trying to be his older brother. And he's just not. Yeah. Um, so they fight. Menelaus, so fight. Hector kills Menelaus. Agamemnon orders the Greek army to charge. They fight under the walls of Troy. They do right outside the gates. Yeah. Uh, so so afterwards, so Agamemnon sends the men forward, and they get absolutely butchered. Hector kills um, this giant Greek leader. His name is Ajax. Ajax, played by Tyler Maine, <clears throat> who is the uh, actor who plays uh, Michael Myers in the Halloween uh, Rob Zombie. Yep. One and two Halloween. So anyway. to show. We, we have seen Achilles' battle prowess against Boagrius, who is this mm-hmm. giant hulking man. Not coincidentally, I'm sure, we see Hector kill this giant mm-hmm. hulking man, and he does kill him, but you notice Hector's more like a normal dude. Mm-hmm. He's an incredibly he skilled normal yeah. guy, but, I mean, he gets a beating by this giant guy before he yeah. kills him. Uh, okay, so, essentially, they, they run into the conflict that carries for quite, quite a while mm-hmm. in this, and the yeah. fact that they cannot get through the gates of troy no they they and, and the they, trojan archers are just annihilating the they are from the walls and and hector shows that he's a better leader than agamemnon and it shows he that, knows when to stop and fall back yeah take the victory for what it was and leave and not lose men yep um and for those of you who have seen game of thrones and i promise this relates just very quickly king robert <laughs> in the first season says what's stronger five armies are one and he holds up five fingers and then he makes one fist right and that's what troy is versus the greek army the mm-hmm. greek army is all of these city states and these peoples that agamemnon rules through his own power of personality troy is one nation with one army and it becomes very clear that they are way better trained and way better led and the Greek army because they are outnumbered at least two, if not three to one, and they just slaughter the Greeks in right. this fight. So uh there's a ambush in the middle of the night. The Trojans kind of launch launch an attack on the Greek. And Hector doesn't want to do it. He says we shouldn't <clears throat> don't um, push them. They're close. We almost broke them today, but mm-hmm. if you attack them, they'll unify. Right. Achilles wasn't here. He noticed he's like, mm-hmm. Achilles wasn't there today. They're they're not united. Mm-hmm. We do we cannot unite them. Like, yeah, let's not do it. But they do. But it he's anyways. not king, so he gets you know right. Um, and part of it is because of their sign of oh well, he cut the head off the statue of Apollo, and so 
and it doesn't work out in their favor. So also just kind of, it's very uh, straightforward and not, not a lot of uh, ups and downs to it. The relationship between Perseus um, and uh, Achilles yeah. forms. Um, yeah, she well, holds a knife to his throat and then they have sex. He had, tur- <laughs> yeah, it turns out he has some form of morals. Like you don't really expect that from him, but he saves her. So there's a scene where the Greek leaders are in Agamemnon's tent. And mm-hmm. they're like, what the hell was that? Yep. And we need Achilles. And Agamemnon says, he's just one man. And Odysseus, who is the voice of reason in the Greek army, repeatedly, mm-hmm. says, Hector is one man. Look at what he did to us today. Mm-hmm. You just left half of your army below the gates of Troy. Which, yep. they didn't lose a full half of their army, but the nah, message is yeah. that, like, we just got annihilated. We need Achilles. Mm-hmm. You brought it. We, I brought him for a reason, you know? And so Achilles gets Perseus back, but he's still not going to fight. No, he's actually no. He's he's decided. He's gonna say, he told his men not to fight. He says, "Don't fight," and he says, "We leave at dawn. We leave, we leave dawn. in the morning." Um, and, and the Trojans make their fatal mistake. So the so that's when so we're kind of out of order, but yeah. you get the idea. You so that's when idea. the Greeks attack. Um, and then the next morning, um, Achilles' cousin, so Patroclus dresses up as Achilles, and um, essentially charges into battle. Yeah. Uh, meets Hector. Uh, stands. He stands. He he fights him off for a little he, bit. But Patroclus can fight. Like yeah. he he. Okay, he doesn't hold his own with Achilles when they're training, but mm-hmm. he kills several Trojan soldiers mm-hmm. like pretty quick. Like the dude is skilled. Yeah, he's just not Hector. He's not. So um, Hector kills him. Uh, and like everyone's stunned because, because they think it's Achilles. Because they think Achilles was just defeated. Like Achilles. Yeah, and then they take off the helmet and the the expression and like how solemn. Hector becomes as soon as he finds out what he did. Like he knows. He's like, I'm dead. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and Patroclus is, he's not a kid kid, but it's very clear that he's like 17, 18, 19. Right. Like he's not old enough that any of these men think he should be involved if he doesn't have to be. Right. Uh, and Achilles, Achilles is just like, okay, so he was where he was before. He was ready to, he was ready to leave. Yeah. And he actually comes out of the tent and he goes, I told you not to go into battle. Well, what are you doing? Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says, well, you know, basically we're selling, we're sailing back, which kind of shows, this is one of my problems with it, is it shows how uh, this, this woman that he's fallen in love with means so much to him that he's ready to go against his own beliefs so quickly. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. But, okay, man. Okay. Sure. So essentially he's ready to turn back and this is what, this is what brings him back. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Bliss being killed brings him back. So, <clears throat> he rides his horse alone to the gates of Troy and he's ready to fight. He calls out, Hector! Yeah. Hector! Uh, well, and Hector knows, like, as soon, like, because Odysseus tells him, he's like, that was his cousin, and Hector's like, well, I'm a dead man. <laughs> exactly, he knows, and he, ba- he basically tells his wife, if I die, this is where he needs to go in case the city ever falls. Uh, he he knows he's dying. And he keeps he, saying if, but he, he's vi- like, everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you're, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so the two prepare for war the following day. Uh, they face one-on-one um, and Achille, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, such a good fight scene. Hector throws down like credit mm-hmm. where credit's due. Well, what I like is that Hector knows that he can't match Achilles because he's seen Achilles in yeah. action, but Achilles takes his helmet off and so does Hector. Yeah. So it's that idea that there's not going to be any other than what we both bring physically. There's no unfair advantages here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's actually Brad Pitt and Eric Bana. Yeah. Um, this was, I do believe, the last thing that they shot for the movie. That makes sense because if one of them gets injured during it, you don't want yes. it to derail the rest of production. So um, they had an agreement that for each accidental hit, it'd be $50. Yeah. The, that one would pay the other. Eric owed Brad Pitt no money. And Brad Pitt owed Eric uh, seven hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> right. So, um, anyways, um, this is when they had to rebuild part of the set because of the hurricane ah. destroyed it. Um, so they redid it just for this scene, and it was, it was mapped out, choreographed perfectly. Um, I think this is my uh, this is my favorite scene of the movie is their fight. I think it is the true climax to the film. Yes. Um, but okay. But what Achilles does afterwards is he says, you will have no eyes, no tongue. You will walk around the afterlife. Uh, Blind, deaf, and dumb. And everyone will say, that is Hector, the fool who thought he killed Achilles. Yeah. Um, 
So <laughs> Achilles is mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so after the fight, he he ties uh, Hector's body to the end uh, or to the to his horse. Yeah, and rides away, staring the king, his father, in the eyes. He does though. Yep. Um, and then he tosses uh Perseus away. Um, and she's like distraught because that's her yeah. cousin. And everything. important note about Hector is he dies on his knees he fought standing up but i just mm-hmm. think it's it's again probably not a coincidence that this leader of troy dies on his knees yeah like he gets knocked down by achilles and stabbed through the chest yeah um and then anyway so the teen sneaks into the the greek camp um and pleads with achilles for him to give his son a proper burial achilles agrees to give him uh you know, I forget how many days. Twelve days. Twelve um, days of it's grief. The, again, it's the similarity. So they share the same gods. They share the same mm-hmm. funeral customs. Um, Trojan tradition and Greek tradition, according to the movie, is that you give the dead twelve days mm-hmm. of games. So that's Achilles agrees to a ceasefire for twelve days. Agamemnon is mad until Odysseus comes up with an idea of how to use these twelve days. Right. So they build the Trojan horse. Yes, they do. And the Trojan horse looks great. Yep. It is practical. They actually built one. It looks fantastic. There's a single shot of they have these logs under the horse. Yes. Uh, didn't make a whole lot of sense because there's no logs in front of the horse, right, or behind it, right. Yet you see that it is rolling across them. I mean, okay, like, <laughs> imp- like un- unlikely. Sure, but the beautiful thing about making a movie about a myth is you don't have to make it realistic. <laughs> just, and like, it in bothers theory, me. Like, they have wheels, right? Like, this isn't the Stone Age. Like, they're aware of, like, how things move. Yeah, but, so. they did, but you can see that the, the it's not, like, the, the logs are not rolling as, no, like, you, an you, axle and You can and briefly wheel. tell that they have, like, little wheels, like, modern wheels in the prop that is the Trojan Wars. Yeah, yeah, but, the, like, I, like I said, there's no logs before it. There's no logs no. after it. So, like, in that sense, they would roll it yeah. for, what, like, 15 feet? And oh, then yeah. stop, put the logs in front of it, roll it another 15 feet. It just takes forever. We also have neglected um, everyone's favorite youngest prince, Paris, because during this little montage, mm-hmm. after Hector dies, Paris is seen crying but practicing archery. And yep. it turns out little bro's a crack shot. Little like bro's Rob, got something. Like Robin Hood level crack Ironic shot. Orlando Bloom is a crack shot with a bow and bow arrow. And arrow. I wonder like, in what other movie uh, that Orlando Bloom might be a crack shot with a bow and arrow. Harry Potter. Filmed at the same time. Wild. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Did not put these two things together? <laughs> he's a crack shot. And he also it tries to fill Hector's shoes as the practical voice because the mm-hmm. priests in King Prime are like, oh, it's a, it's a shrine to Poseidon that they built on their way home. We should take it. Says, and that we way we'll rob it. them of our luck. And Paris is like, we should burn it. What are you talking about? And as is the theme for the whole movie, the practical voice gets dragged right. out. They take the Trojan horse in. We all know what Trojan horse means. Fast right. forward to night, and here come the Greeks. And, and the Greeks are inside the wall, of, the walls of Troy. And they open the gates. They kill the guards quietly. They open the gates. The whole Greek army runs silently just up the beach. Waiting. Yep, yep. Just waiting to come in. Uh, this is probably my least favorite part of the movie. Really? This had its flaws. Okay. The movie had its flaws up to this point. Yes. And then here. It seemed like we have 10 minutes to wrap everything up. Do it fast. And I, I have read that this was the part of the movie that time-wise was most butchered in the director's cut versus theatrical cut. So okay. it's very possible that they had a lot more. It is possible. Just going off the theatrical cut, yeah, I, mean, we watched I the theatrical cut, am so that's not, what we're evaluating. I was like, man, this is... Okay, so so essentially... It, it does feel very rushed. Um, <clears throat> okay, so Achilles is... Is he, he's in the horse. He is in the horse. Um, okay. he, he waits like he slides down slightly after everybody mm-hmm. because I think we said this, but just to clarify, he lets Briseis go with King Priam. We did not say that. That's an important part. That, that is an important forgot. part. When but, he's negotiating uh, with King Priam, he lets his forced love interest that Dustin does not like go back to the city of her birth. Um, right. But then when he realizes that the Greeks are about to take the city, it's very, it's very clear very quickly that he is only there to go get. He is. His girlfriend. <laughs> and he ends up killing Greeks in his pursuit of yeah. getting to her. Uh, th- like I said, she shows up and leaves whenever it's convenient. So we yep. need her outside of the city of Troy, 
for her to be the love interest, and then we need her inside the city during the climax. And it just drives me nuts. It's almost like she's a dramatic tool. It's really, it really, yeah. Before Anyways. we wrap up the movie completely, we should speak that though it is a rush scene that has its flaws, there are some very, very powerful moments mm-hmm. in the fall of Troy. Um, two come to mind for me. The first is that they're defacing the Trojan palace with, and they're destroying the statues of the gods. And Priam, King Priam of Troy, is walking through in absolute disbelief because mm-hmm. his city never should have fallen. Right. He should never have been that foolish. The actor does a great job of you mm-hmm. can see all these realizations in his face. And no I one's have, killing him. I have, well, no. <laughs> I have done this. Um, and he finally, he draws his sword and he screams at the Greek soldiers, have you no honor? And Agamemnon literally stabs him in the back right. with a spear. Yes. So that's one powerful scene. The mm-hmm. second powerful scene is that there, uh, Glaucon is the second general behind Hector of the Trojan forces. Mm-hmm. He's a very peripheral character, but he's the actor brings some powerful moments mm-hmm. to it. He's recognizable. He's one of those secondary characters. You don't know his name when you're watching the movie, but you, you're like, oh, that guy that had that scene. He is in the Trojan barracks with about 20 guys. None of them have armor on. They have all clearly w- woken up from sleep, and they're probably just whoever was around. He gives a very impassioned speech where he says, Soldiers of Troy, it has been the honor of my life to serve with you. The ferryman calls for us. Mm-hmm. He's waiting. I say we make him wait a little longer. Which is, the ferryman is a part of the belief in Greek afterlife. Yeah, uh, Charon is this demon in the underworld who serves mm-hmm. Hades, the god of death, beck and call. He ferries souls across the river Styx into the underworld. And that's why they do the coins on the to eyes? Pay the ferryman. To pay the ferryman. Yep. Okay. Which is why Priam, and they, I mean, even in real life, as far as we can tell, they believe this very powerfully. Like, you had to do this to be able to cross, to even get judged. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just floating. But it's a powerful scene because it shows the pride of this city mm-hmm. and the pride of the men who fight for it. And, like, we've already seen, the Greeks would never have done that for Agamemnon. No. But these 30 men, and they fight, and they fight hard, mm-hmm. and they fight to the death in this barracks, and Paris, who has been admittedly a coward, the whole movie stands his ground and sniper shots with a bow and arrow so many Greek mm-hmm. soldiers before he is finally pulled away by the general. Yep. He's like, you need to get out of here. Your brother's already dead. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to save the rest of this city. And that's where the, the, the sword of Troy. Yes. That's where he hands it to him. And, and or, so, does he, or does he already have it? Yeah, I, I think he already has it. But point but being, it, yeah. I think it's a very important to acknowledge that in this admittedly messy ending of this movie, there are yeah. those two incredibly powerful scenes that sneak up on you. Yeah. Um, okay, so, and then the, uh, Agamemnon goes after, um, I don't know why her name did not stick in my head. Perseus. Uh, so Agamemnon <laughs> goes after Perseus. Uh, she ends up killing him. Yeah, she has a concealed dagger. She kills him. At the same time, Achilles finally finds her. Finds her. He slaughters the kill, two Greek soldiers. Kills the guards who are about to kill her. And uh, uh, Paris sees in the distance them in the, like, the courtyard. Yep. Um, and he fires an arrow and it hits him in his calcaneal tendon. His Achilles tendon. Now, yeah, it's known as the Achilles tendon. Sorry. I went, so- no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. No, no that's we can fine. back up. Let's do your dramatic reveal. No, no, that's fine. Okay, fine. Achilles takes the arrow through the tendon and he throws his head back. And you're like, oh God. Yeah. Oh man, this man's oh, been. It'd be. If it bleeds, we can kill it sort of. Yeah. Deal. So anyway, so he's basically, he, I mean, okay. If you cut the Achilles tendon. Right. Which I don't know if it was fully severed, but it doesn't matter. I don't think it really matters one, if there's an arrow in it. One, incredibly painful. Yes. Would be, obviously. Yes. Two, is the... I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if it technically is, but it's considered like the strongest tendon in your body. Oh. Um, your calf attaches to it. Right. If you don't have that single tendon, if you don't have that tendon, then like your uh, whole entire leg is basically useless. Oh, wow. You have no way of supporting weight yeah. on it. Um. And also your ankle will be like extremely unstable. Right. But point being, so essentially he really shouldn't be able to walk, which he yeah. does kind of drag himself. He's Achilles though. I mean, you yeah. kind of expect that he's going to take a few shots. He takes like four arrows. I think it's four arrows because he, he gets shot through the chest once and he yeah. pulls it out. And then I think it's three before he collapses. Since we already implied Lord of the Rings. That guy goes full Boromir. Like he, yeah. gets, he gets brittle. Yeah. <laughs> well, then we've had a lot of arrows to the chest in these movies that we've Watched. I mean, to be fair, if you're going to hit somebody with an arrow, like... The easiest what? spot, probably. Yeah, I mean, come yeah. on now. Yeah. Um, anyways, Achilles is dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paris escapes. Agamemnon's dead. Troy falls. Oh, yeah. And the Greeks win. And they burn Achilles' body. And that's the movie. My biggest question is, how 
what what did Achilles do that made that solidifies him in this like what makes his name carry on for centuries? Oh, from I, this other than killing Hector, which I, I feel well, like. Well, I think that it's the fact that Odysseus is the one who tells the story, and uh, mm. it turns out he's the narrator, right? Um, because Sean Bean has a very recognizable voice. So mm-hmm. as soon as you hear Odysseus speak, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that was the guy from the beginning. Yeah, that's um, Mr. Bean. Yeah, so he he says that you know, um, in something along the lines of like, in my old age, I will be able to say that I walked among these men, yeah, uh, men like Hector and men like Achilles. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's he killed Hector in single combat. Mm-hmm. That's not despite what like movies tell you. That's really not a thing that ever happens. Like there's a time period where dueling is a thing, and I it, it never it didn't never happen. But that's a big deal to yeah. go one on one with a guy a legendary warrior and kill him mm-hmm. and prove that you are the best swordsman in the known world. So my point is, um, he could have killed Hector had his revenge and just left. Well, that's I think probably it's probably why I hate this love I interest so much. Mar- yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but martyrism is powerful. Yes. So like, yeah, if he hadn't died, maybe we would, I don't know. to reference an earlier podcast, we would remember Dr. King's contributions if mm-hmm. he had not been assassinated. But mm-hmm. would we revere him the way we do if he hadn't have died for the cause? Yeah. When you die for something, that's the ultimate. We sacrifice. are not comparing. Oh God, no, Dr. King no, not at all. Achilles. Not at all. We're just a convenient example of the power of becoming a martyr. Yes. Uh. Okay. Back up real quick. Okay. Two things. One. Whoop. Brad Pitt. That's my my backup noise. Whoop. Uh, well, I didn't want to beep. I'm not a truck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So Brad Pitt um, sprained his left Achilles tendon while filming. Coincidence? Uh, yes. I think not. <laughs> Brad Pitt is actually Achilles. Right the down. I wouldn't, right be, the I wouldn't be surprised. The dude doesn't age. Like, have you seen a pic? He looks <laughs> almost the same. Uh, I actually, I saw a, a GQ interview with him, and he's like, yeah, I, I, uh, I face cream, face moisturizer. Like once in the morning, once in the evening. I'm real big on that. And I was like, dude, I need to get some freaking face moisturizer. I also like lift like for six hours a day and eat a diet prepared by my private dietitian. Yeah. And my skin cream costs $5,000. I wonder how many times he gets his blood checked and they're like, oh, your vitamin D is uh, 3% low. Here you go. Wow. Hey, um, did you know your steroid level is somewhere between Dwayne the Rock Johnson and King Kong? (laughs) Uh, Anyways, point being, we're we're not trying to be Brad Pitt here. All right. So that's a fun fact. Secondly, maybe my least favorite part of this movie okay you gave me peace in a lifetime of war possibly the worst final words that's rough <laughs> especially that one, from yeah, achilles you know that's that one hurts me as Ooh. bad as an arrow in the achilles tendon Ooh. and it's sad because achilles's character and mm-hmm. the way he's written is the most consistent part of this movie and he's, he has hurts. he probably has the most depth like I said, I, yeah. like I said, when he, whenever he drags Hector's body, like he's, he's, he fights for himself, but like when he, when he drags Hector's body after he kills him, yeah. it's like, oh, you're a bad guy. And then he rushes in to save this woman he loves and it's like, oh, you're a good guy. And he's, I'm like, I like that he kind of balances between I like the that two. He's emotionally and mentally, he is a normal man with abnormal physical prowess. They don't try to make him holier than anybody else. He just right. happens to be good at killing people. Uh, yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Terrible final words. Gosh, it's dang it. It's um, it just a, is. There was a lot of criticism for this for the directing and the screenwriting. Those two things in particular. Um. Brad Pitt has even kind of ta- not talked bad about this movie, but he's just like, yeah, I was contractually obligated to do it. I, yeah. His. I mean, he does a great job. No, they, there's nothing the wrong with the performances. All bring the th- I think it is. It is always something to see when you're watching the movie and you know it's clunky and mm-hmm. you know it needs polish and you still get done and you're like, that was pretty good. That was, yeah, it's fine. And the reason you think it was pretty good is because the actors just brought their the, A-game. I really think the the opening scene, um, the battle whenever he's pushing, uh, their, their, the Trojans are outside the gates of yes. Troy and they're, they're pushing the, yes. the Greeks back. That and then obviously the Achilles-Hector fight. Oh, that fight. Um, yeah. And even the even the duel between Paris and uh, Menelaus, it's powerful. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good to Hector's this movie. Hector scratching Achilles's breastplate is in their fight is mm-hmm. surprisingly powerful because yeah. nobody can touch him. He's so close, and you're like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. And he and, he, <laughs> and Achilles, Achilles is like Achilles even huh. tells his father he was the greatest warrior I ever fought. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, anyways, definite flaws to this movie. Oh, of course. Great, great parts to it too. Um, 
I think, and I was thinking about this because we just did Gladiator, and Gladiator came out four years before. Yes. If Ridley Scott had directed this, I think we'd be talking about it in a completely different light. I agree with you. I think it's also, um, since this movie is based on myth, you'll notice I haven't done a lot of historical interjection like I normally mm-hmm. do. Um, also, we're trying to streamline the podcast a little bit for your guys's, you know, convenience. But um, the movie is vaguely based on the Iliad, which mm-hmm. is one of the two epic poems by the Greek um, storyteller Homer. Fun fact: We now not think Simpson. We now no, not Simpson. Homer the blind dude. We now think that actually, much like the new William Shakespeare theory, Homer was given credit for things that maybe weren't his. Wait, what was the what's what? I don't know what the Shakespeare so theory you're talking there's about. A, there's a controversy. I don't know if it's been solved or not. There's a controversy that maybe William Shakespeare didn't write everything he's been credited oh. for. That he put them on and he performed them. Same thing. We're not sure that gotcha. Homer actually created these myths, or if he is just the most famous storyteller whose name has survived the three thousand years down the historical record. Interesting. Um, it's based on the Iliad. The Iliad is a um mythological tale placed in this period called Mycenae Greece, Mycenae Greece, um, the mm. first iteration of Greek culture. Um, it's called that because the capital was in Crete in the city of Mycenae. Mm. Um, it's a real time period. Troy, we're pretty sure, was a real city. We're even fairly confident that there was probably some sort of war between a Mycenaean coalition and a city-state by, mm-hmm. like around Troy. The thing, though, is that none of these people are real at all so agamemnon as far as we can tell not real um achilles not real odysseus not real hector not real priam priam is the only one there is a potential connection between a rogue warlord leading a city-state in the era of the hittite empire which just for a brief explanation think ancient egypt but in turkey remind me who priam is the king of troy oh i got you there there is a there is a line of thought that it's possible that king priam was more of like Warlord Priam or Governor Priam. Okay. He was kind of okay. an independent city leader, and Troy was just an incredibly powerful city-state right? Um, that picked, on the, picked the wrong fight, and it's possible that the Greeks sailed over and raised it to the ground. Okay. We're not sure. Yeah. Um, but the Iliad is fascinating because it is a perfect example of how the ancient Greeks thought the gods interacted among men. So in the Iliad, Paris is Priam's son. He is not banished he is given to a goat herder because the gods tell priam to do so Mm -hmm. he grows up not knowing that he's royal he accidentally gets sucked into this pissing contest of who's more beautiful between three of the greek goddesses one's athena one's aphrodite i want to say the third one's hera zeus no (laughs) don't quote me on that he picks the wrong one He Uh, he picks aphrodite because aphrodite is going to grant him true love right Fast forward, he becomes a what prince a of Troy for a little bit. He and Hector kind of have a rocky relationship. They figure it out because Hector's like the prime son. And he, mm-hmm. Hector in the Iliad is a lot like Hector in the movie. He's okay. like lead by example, dude. Um, Paris goes to Sparta, falls in love. So in the myth, at least it's true love. Like it's not an affliction. Like it's true love caused by the goddess Aphrodite. Okay. With Helen of Troy. See, I almost feel like that would have helped explain well, a little watch- bit. If you want a better version of the Iliad, watch Troy Fall of a City on okay. Netflix. It's a mini series. It's like 10 episodes. It's a much more carbon copy mm-hmm. of the Iliad. He comes back to Troy and then Agamemnon and Menelaus follow him. The key part, though, that makes the movie a little clunkier than maybe it could be mm-hmm. is that the Greek gods interfere in the Trojan War the whole time. And ah. in the Iliad, it, it's 10 years long. Right. They fight over the same city for 10 years um, because the gods keep interfering and okay. nobody can win. Um, Achilles in the Iliad is a demigod. He mm-hmm. is half god, half man, and his mother, who was a minor goddess, dips him in the river Styx in the underworld, which is that barrier that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. When that happens, if you survive it, you become immortal, except for there's always one weak spot yep. because they will, the gods will never let a human fully be a god mm-hmm. unless they choose to. But you, you, there's no cheat codes in ancient Greece. So she dips him and she covers his heel, which is kind of funny because the Greeks wore open sandal shoes. So why not pick well, like his armpit? If you grab, well, okay, never mind. I, it's, I get what you're saying. It's okay. interesting. A short non sequitur in the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, the really popular kids mm-hmm. books about Greek mythology, the main character, Percy Jackson, undergoes the, the Achilles treatment 
and he chooses the small of his back because it's covered by a breastplate. Mm-hmm. His main enemy, uh, Luke Castellan, who also does it, chooses his armpit for the same reason. Mm. So they're like, they make fun of Achilles. They're like, why would your mother pick your heel? <laughs> but anyway, so his heel is his weak spot. Um, the basic premise is correct, but they took 10 years and they condensed it to a couple mm-hmm. weeks. And the Iliad is interesting because it takes place in the ninth year or the final year of this 10 year conflict. So a lot of it, you tell the story and you give some context. Um, and so it's, it's cool. I like it because we might do this movie later. It's very similar to the, the King Arthur movie from 2004, where they tried to make a more realistic version of a mythical mm-hmm. tale. Like if this had happened, this is maybe what it would have been like, but it also turns it into kind of this like very hard to wield like movie because you're taking 10 years of events and condensing it into a couple days, a couple weeks. Yeah. And then you're taking gods and goddesses and magic and immortals and prophets and Amazon warriors and reinforcements mm-hmm. and supply lines and inter arguments a decade old with the Greek leaders. And you're trying to put it into a couple weeks okay. with no, with no supernatural forces. Um, yeah, it was definitely, it's condensed, but it's, it's, it's clunky. It's, I will say it doesn't Ach- flow Achilles super is well. done well. Hector's done well based off of what I know of the Iliad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paris is done pretty okay. Paris is a little less savory in the Iliad. Like he's the bad, like it's hard to pick a bad guy. He's the bad guy. Okay. Like, it's, he's just weak is kind mm-hmm. of the, the implication. Um, they, again, Troy fall. I think Troy fall of the city is a true tale of the Iliad. So if yeah. anybody's interested, I will shamelessly plug that show. It seems way closer. I am by no means like a scholar on the Iliad, but it just, it makes more sense. You watch it and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. It's very different though. Fair warning. They changed yeah. a lot in the movie. Um, Odysseus is close. Odysseus is way less willing to be in the war in the Iliad than he is in Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent that he tries to fake his own madness mm. by um, pretending that he got a brain fever, which was just a catch-all term for thousands of years of you had a stroke or an aneurysm or something and it mm. destroyed your brain. Um, and he is plowing his field behind a plow and he does it for three days straight pretending that he can't hear he can't notice anything Agamemnon being the awful person that he is determined that he's faking knowing that he's faking because he knows Odysseus and that he just doesn't want to go but knowing that he's the best tactician in Greece and if he has any chance in hell of winning he needs him and Achilles yeah and Ajax who's the big guy who Hector right. kills he needs the three main warlords of Greece mm-hmm. um he puts Odysseus, he confiscates Odysseus's newborn son from his wife and puts him in front of the plow. And Odysseus, at the last minute, stops the plow and nearly kills Agamemnon in a fit of rage until mm-hmm. his soldiers stop him. But then he's in it because Agamemnon's like, great, you're not crazy. You're part of my army. Uh, dang it. That's, that's and in the cruel. Iliad, there's this interesting dynamic where Achilles is the sword, Ajax is the shield, and Odysseus is the brain. Okay. And when these three parts are not in sync, the Greeks can't win. Mm-hmm. And it, it is not a coincidence that Hector dies once Achilles comes back. Right. Oh, that- and uh, Achilles is killed outside of Troy in the Iliad. It's just oh. an important thing. He's mocking Paris for being a coward. Um, and so Paris shoots him. And one of the goddesses on the side of Troy or one of the gods grabs the arrow and throws it into Achilles weak spot and he dies. Well, because when you're in the real, in, in Greek mythology, in like the real quote unquote river sticks treatment, if your weak spot is hit, it's mortal. Okay. Okay. So it's not like, it doesn't like destroy your shield. It's not like a halo thing where you get hit right. with a grenade and then your shield goes away. Like you, if I pierce, it's only like the size of a thumb. Yeah. But if I pierce it, you die. Okay. It doesn't matter where it is on your body. All right. Um, yeah. So there's just a lot they try to put into this movie like i said a lot of there's a there's a few good scenes and man there's a lot of filler in and here there's too. a lot of good acting like we don't a lot want to of take good away too. credit from the actors mm-hmm. okay um let's give it a rating okay you go first me go first I, that's kind of our okay our shtick if let's you, let's I, please don't give this a seven you don't, don't want me to I don't do care it a what seven? you give it unless it's your real take but like you know all right i'm not gonna give it a seven i really um I almost—I was thinking about this when I was watching. I was like, "What would I do with this?" I almost want to give it a seven, but I'm sorry. The last, like that last bit, as soon as they come out of the Trojan horse, it just goes downhill for me. I'd agree. Um, also, so cool that they built these huge sets and that the the yeah. the 
uh, Trojan horse is real, and then they just like show it for like thirty seconds. There's no lack. Just a waste. There's no lack of effort in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everything's a lack of um, execution or organization. That's I think it's the best way you can put it. Like there the, was no phoning in in this movie. Like nobody didn't give it their best try. Like that's evident. It's just that sometimes your best isn't great. Is kind of the vibe you get from like the directing and the screenwriting. Yeah. No. No disrespect to Peterson. Um. But I really think I want. I wonder what this would have looked like in the hands of, uh, of a different director. Um, yeah, but for that, I gotta go. I'm gonna go six. I'm gonna okay. go six out of ten. Maybe next season we should watch the director's cut and compare. We could. That could be interesting. Yeah, we have a couple. We also talked about going back to Braveheart again. So apparently, we're just gonna do season one, part two. Maybe we could do like <laughs> just a. Just do it all. Well, we could over do again. we could do one episode where instead of like analyzing each movie deeply, yeah, it's like two or three like recaps of a different version. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay, so this one is fun for me. Because as I had to explain to Dustin, like people don't always realize that myths and folklore mm-hmm. and tall tales, they're a part of human history. Mm-hmm. They aren't in and of themselves historical, but they are a part of how people perceive the world and how they valued things and how they viewed their societies as functioning. So the myth of Achilles and Hector and Priam and Poseidon and Zeus and Aphrodite picking these human champions and for 10 years, them fighting is a really important part of how the Greeks viewed themselves and their mm-hmm. ancestors, <laughs> even though it was probably all bogus, like, you know. Right. Um, and the idea that this oral tradition has lasted so long mm-hmm. and that somebody finally wrote it down yeah. after hearing it, because Homer was blind, and most, the vast majority of people through history have been completely illiterate, mm-hmm. which is also hard for people to grasp. Yeah. But somebody finally heard the story and thought, we need to write this down. And then the Odyssey, which is the follow-up tale of Odysseus's 10-year sail home, yep to poor Odysseus. He's gone for literally 20 years. It's awful. Anyway, um, we could do that movie later. It's I was bad, actually, I was but... thinking about that whenever we, I was watching this. I was like, is this the Odyssey? Is this it's, like, yeah. they, is this related? Yeah. Um, it's, and... it's funny you said that just, just real quick. I just want to sure. bring, bring up a single point. I thought this was based on at least somewhat historical events. I had no idea it was just a tale well, until I looked it up. A, yeah, it's, it's such a, an, an earnest portrayal right. of it. They I wonder, try to make it look like it. I wonder how many people have no idea that Troy is completely made up. That's a good question. Well, if you listen to this podcast, now you know. Now you um, know. And then before I give it a rating, I got I to gotta qualify this because myths are hard, right? Like, right. It's, it's not close to the myth, so do I give it a three? But then like it's a realistic version of the myth, so do I give it like an eight? Um, I don't even know if does this one needed. I don't even know if you could give it a historical rating. I may give it a historical satisfaction rating. Okay. Like it, you know? Yeah. Um, so a few things. Uh, the swords are very, very good. Like mm-hmm. that is what mice and I, Greek Wrong swords sword. look like. The leaf bladed swords um i can't speak on the armor the idea that troy is the lack of conscripts in this is hard Mm -hmm. um so most of human history you have an elite core of soldiers and then you have men at arms or conscripts that you kind of train Mm -hmm. pretty quickly and they're cannon fodder the greek city states by the time of like what we think of as greece so like 300 um they don't do that as much but at that time they probably did so the idea that Troy, because the Greeks kind of look a little disheveled, like they're kind of yeah. mixed and matched. So that's pro- that's sure. I can't promise on the armor or the helmets, but the general vibe of the Greek army for that time period, the Bronze Age, yeah, that's probably what you're getting. Okay. Um, Troy being this massive, everybody is fully armored and well-trained city-state, that one's just really hard mm-hmm. because like, I don't, you, you, you couldn't really do that. But it's, if it was... If the movie was closer to the myth, I'd be fine with it. But mm-hmm. because the movie is clearly trying to act like it's realistic, mm-hmm. and then you have this legendary city with these 50-foot freaking walls and these men with armor, that one's hard. Um, so I'm going to give it historical satisfaction. I will give Troy a six. I really like yeah. the movie. I just think that like it either needed to be more realistic or more mythological. Okay. It kind of it's that weird like why is Achilles so awesome? Why this is, is Brad Pitt? <laughs> yeah. Because like if if Achilles was just a normal guy who just happened to be a very very good fighter yep. and his duel with Hector exposes that he's mortal like he gets cut really bad or something. Yeah. I'd be cool with that. Like that would up it. If there was a scene where the gods actually interacted with mm-hmm. the Trojan soldiers or if there was like a little spiel about why troy is so elite like mythological i'd be okay with that that would build the myth part of it it's just kind of right in that uncomfy spot yeah where you walk away and you're like 
that seemed historical, but also like why? Like what what's going on here? So I'm gonna for a historical faction, I'll go to six for my personal enjoyment of this movie. Um, this is this is gonna expose me a lot. I love this movie. I know it's clunky. <laughs> I can you know I I have discussions with my friends a lot. Um, Dustin, my other friend Samuel. So Samuel, for listening to this, you gotta you gotta plug in the podcast. Um, they are critical. I call them elitist. <laughs> They're not. I just enjoy really schlocky movies like Highlander's one of my one of my favorites, guys. Oh yeah. Shut up. All right. Shut up. <laughs> this is a safe space. This is my mother's home. I'm safe. <laughs> and uh so I I give my personal satisfaction, nine out of ten. Like I could watch nine this movie all the time. Our highest I don't even rating care. yet. I know it's I know it's rough. I know it's not great. I objectively know these things, but I turn it on and I see Brad Pitt one shot this giant guy and my brain goes woof. Like I'm, nice. I'm in it. Nice. And the director's cut is better. I can't remember specifically, but I do know that like the director's cut is just objectively a better we'll have, movie. We'll have to get to it eventually. So I feel a little more justified because we're going to pretend like I'm only talking about the director's cut and I'm not. I'm very much talking about the normal, really rough, like could have been a lot better movie. Nine out of 10 for my personal enjoyment. I like to imagine that you on a weekend, you just watch Braveheart, Troy and Highlander. And you're like, ah, perfect day. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> I can only get so excited on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Is it hot in here? (laughs) No, man, I can't watch all those movies because there can be only one. Oh, my freaking gosh. I'm so happy you got that reference, and I'm happy it caused you pain. (laughs) Uh, I caused pain earlier. That's fair. So, yeah, uh, to recap my babble, 6 out of 10 for historical satisfaction, 9 out of 10 because Kyle's an idiot whose father raised him to like objectively not great (laughs) movies. All right. No shame. So, uh, well, there is... There's that. There's Troy. Um, I... Yep. We already we already went over it. Yeah, I, we're, we're I, working yeah. on making our conclusion shorter. So let's yep. just go so to let's the go movie to, next week. What are we doing movie. next week? We were soldiers, right? We're doing We Were Soldiers, which is a movie I had never heard of until you brought up. Yeah, it's a Vietnam War movie um, directed by Mel Gibson, starring Mel Gibson, and it is significant. The reason I picked it is because it is like the only historically accurate movie Mel Gibson's ever made. Nice. Yeah. Well, we're going to do. Well, we. Depending on when we release this, that that might be the yeah. next one. We oh, might that's have true. it. We, might be Napoleon. We might have Napoleon. So those are our next two. It's one of the two. It just depends on what our schedules are like. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. We're filming this around Thanksgiving week to just clarify for everybody. Just like, to clarify, we're, we're very busy people right now. We 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 started a podcast, which makes it seem like we don't have things going on, but we really do. Yeah. <laughs> we fit this into a busy schedule, and we committed to <laughs> expediting our ending, and we still didn't do it. So we're gonna sign off and say, look forward to probably we were soldiers, but maybe Napoleon. One of the two. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. See y'all See you next time.